So uh, a couple of weeks ago, I did something in the sermon that I didn't intend to do. I jinxed my team. Y'all know what I'm talking about when you jinx the team, you say something. So a couple of weeks ago in this in sermon, I uh, was talking about how baseball had started back. I'm a huge St. Louis Cardinals fan. That's my team. Have been all my life. And uh, at that moment, they were 2-0. and we were had, I mean, we just had played the Pirates, and they're not any good, so I shouldn't have been too excited about that. But I said, 60 and 0 is what we're going this year. They haven't won a game since. They haven't played in a week and a half because they all got COVID. Uh, 12 of them, somewhere around there, have COVID. They may not play for the next week. They may not play for the rest of the year, and it's, well, it's not my fault. But, you know, it would just added to those stories that are related to COVID-19 that I'm having to follow. Seems like every day there's a new track or branch that we need to look at. And so we're looking at vaccination trials. When have you ever followed vaccination trials like this? Infection rate in Sumner County to know whether my kids are going to school two days a week, five days a week. What's going on with that? How is that all operating? Following those on a daily basis. The 2 o'clock Tennessee Department of Health update. We're checking those. Long-term impact of COVID if you get it. Well, how many people have gotten it? Well, the entire world's had it and nobody's had it. It's a different set of rules. Last night, Dr. Fauci in an interview said that we may all need to start wearing goggles. I don't know if you saw that, but... Just every day, it seems like there's some new condition out there, right? Some new something we need to follow. And one of the things that's not being talked about as much in the midst of this pandemic, but is there, is that in the midst of it, one of the biggest issues is not just the disease itself, but the worry that it's caused. A recent survey said that out of Everywhere in the world, anyone want to guess which country has the most concern about COVID? Us. The percentage of Americans who are worried, stressed, or severely upset about COVID is higher than any nation in the world. Worry is something that settles in when we begin to take our focus off of things that we should And we think about things more than they deserve their attention. I'm not saying that we don't think about the virus. We're obviously taking precautions here. We're doing all those kind of things. But worry is something that happens. Even before, by the way, COVID-19 hit, America was one of, if not the most worried country in the world. The most common mental health concern on college campuses is anxiety. 60 to 90 percent was, I saw all over the place, the latest number I saw was 75 percent of medical office visits are from stress and anxiety related illnesses. It is detrimental to our health. It's not good for our relationships. And yet we are a people that almost seem addicted to worry, to anxiety, to stress. Let me just give you a little caveat on the beginning of this. I just want you to know that I realize that there are clinical definitions for each of those things. Worry, anxiety, and stress. And I'm not attempting in any way to talk about the clinical differences between those. I will use those terms interchangeably today. I also realize we're going to talk today about worry and anxiety and stress. I also realize there are real medical kind of conditions that go with those particular words. And I'm not really speaking towards that. 
I'm talking about the more common everyday worry that we experience in our lives. So why are people so worried? You tell me, what are some things people worry about? What, what causes worry in our lives? That's good. Somebody else. Suicide prevention hotlines. Those calls are up. As people deal with the worry of what's going on in the world, we don't always deal with it in a good way. Today we're going to look at a passage of Scripture that this may be the closest in my uh, almost 20 years of ministry that I've ever preached a passage of Scripture twice in this close a period of time. Because I actually preached on this passage the first Sunday we were online only in March. You realize we've been dealing with this COVID thing now for six This is our sixth month, right? March, April, May, June, July, August. And when we started all this in March, the very first sermon I preached when we were all online trying to figure that whole thing out was on this passage of Scripture. But this week as I was walking through the Sermon on the Mount and I got here, I didn't think, you know what, I think we got that taken care of. I think we figured that one out. We don't need that anymore. Let's just move on. Like, I think it's still relevant to us today. Amen? Matthew chapter 6. I don't think I've told you to turn there, but if you've been with us for the last few weeks, you know that's where we are. Matthew chapter 6. And we're going to start in verse 25, and we're going to read what Jesus says about worry. And he specifically addressed it. In fact, he uses that word. The word he uses is an interesting word because it can be used of just general concern But in this passage and in other passages of the New Testament, he begins to use it in a way that is overly concerned, overly wrought. And he starts in chapter 25, I mean, chapter 6, verse 25, saying this. Therefore, I tell you. Now, again, we talk about this every time we come across one of these. When we're doing Bible studies, we're doing worship, we're doing sermons together. Therefore, whenever it's a therefore, you have to ask what came before. What's it there for? Why is it there? And if you remember last week, he is referencing the entirety of the discussion he just had about money. Specifically, the last prime that said that you cannot serve two masters. You cannot serve both God and money. And so he's basically saying, here's some things. How we handle our money shows priority. He says, and because of that, both God and money, because you can't worry about material things and serve God as effectively as you should. Therefore, I tell you, don't worry about your life. What you're going to eat. What you'll drink or about your body, what you will wear. Isn't life more than the body is more than food and the body more than clothing. So the first thing he says to him is, hey, wait a minute now. Because we don't have all that, that we don't want that to control our lives, so don't worry about it a lot. Now, just so you know, that in their day and time, it was not like our day and time, where yes, we worry about our food, yes, we worry about what we're going to eat, but most of the time in my family, if we're just perfectly honest, we're not worrying if we're going to eat, we're worrying what we're going to eat. Right? And so it's not a concern of, Am I going to have something for supper tonight? It's what are we having for supper tonight? And we get in discussions going around in the way. Well, it's not we're going to eat whatever's available. We're trying to figure out what we want to eat. Jesus is speaking in a time when they were trying to eat whatever was available. And most of them, according to history, were malnourished and lacking in food security, to use a modern term. 
clothing also wasn't as simple as just ordering off of Amazon and having it delivered to your front door or going down, used to, going to a store and grabbing it. There was a lot more process. Oh, yes, they had some people that sold it, but a lot of people made their own, took it, put the effort into making it. Not with electric sewing machines either. Right? Needle and thread, handmade. And he says, as important as those things are, and as much of your life as you spend trying to make sure you have food by growing it or talking to a seller in their time or making the clothes, life is more than that. So yesterday at noon, we had a funeral for one of our longest standing members. Mr. Joe Patterson passed away this past week. He had been a member of this church for over 60 years. We had his funeral yesterday. Two weeks ago, at the exact same time, we had his wife's funeral. They died 12 days apart. 60-year members here. One of the cool things about yesterday in the funeral was that Jeff sang as a part of that funeral and accompanying him was Jerry Rankin, who was a part of this church and ministered at this church. He, and when I asked him, I said, now, when were you here? He said, when we moved to the new building. Well, this new building is 50 years plus old. He was here when Joe and Mary Ann were first starting here. And I thought about this because this is on my mind, obviously, as I'm studying this passage, thinking about this passage and this this phrase, isn't isn't your life more than what you eat, and what you wear, what you drink? And I thought about funerals and what we focus on in those moments to declare whether someone lived a good life or not. And it's almost never about what they ate or drank or wore. Now, there may be reference to, man, she was a good cook. You always loved her food. But it's always, and that was what made our family gatherings happen. There's more to life than this. Now, the point Jesus is making here, this is a bonus point for you. We're not getting to the big points until a few minutes. Bonus point. The the thing he's saying here is that most of the things that we worry about in life aren't really that important in life. And he goes on and says, let me give you a couple examples, just so you know that that you're okay. He said, consider the birds of the sky. They don't sow or reap or gather into barns. They're not into farm culture. Yet your heavenly Father feeds them. And aren't you worth more than they? Or he says this, the next thing, when you're worried about your clothes. He says, can any of you add one moment to his lifespan by worrying? He goes on to verse 28 to say, And why do you worry about your clothes? Observe how the wildflowers of the field grow. They don't labor or spin thread. Yet I tell you that even Solomon in all of his splendor was adorned like one of these. He's saying, look at the birds. Look at the flowers. They're taking care of. God takes care of them. You're more valuable than them. God's going to take care of you. Then he goes on to say this in verse 30. If that's how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today, enthroned in the furnace tomorrow, Won't he do much more for you, you of little faith? Here's what's interesting about this little faith thing here. The the way that that, that it's written in the original language, the way that it makes us understand. In fact, Matthew invents a word here. He takes two words that have never been put together in the Bible. We never see it in the Bible this way. We don't see it in any other Greek literature. And he puts them together and it's almost a mocking term like you little faithers. You just, 
You're just the little, little kids in your faith. You're, you're, you're newborns in the faith. What, why are you worried so much? Verse 31, he says this. So don't worry saying, what will we eat? Or what will we drink? Or what will we wear? For the Gentiles, the pagans, the non-God followers, eagerly seek all these things. And your heavenly Father knows that you need them. Then he finishes with 33, the two bits of advice. Be seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be provided for you. Verse 34, therefore don't worry about tomorrow. We'll talk about that a little more in detail in a few minutes. Because tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Three times in these short verses, this short passage of scripture, three times that Jesus says, do Not worry. Don't worry. Don't worry about it. Don't be anxious. Trust in the Lord. There are three things that we find out from this passage about worry and about our response to worry that ought to remind us of how important it is to trust the Lord. And the first one is this, is that when we worry, we think too little of God. Now, I mean that in two ways. You can think of the word too little or think too little of God in two ways. And I mean them in both ways. The first way is this. When we think, when we worry, we think too little of God. It means that we think God is too small to handle what we have. And the truth is, Americans like a small God in a lot of instances where the God's there to take care of the things that we need to take care of and that he needs to take care of. And I'll handle my part down here and I'll do my best down here and I'll work hard down here. I'll pull myself my own bootstraps here. I'll live out the American dream in that way. And God, when I need you, I'll let you know and you can swipe in and do what you need to do and then go back. But that's not the God of the Bible. That's not the God that we serve. And when we worry... We mean to say that, God, are you really able to handle this? That's part of the point of the birds. That's the point of the flowers. If God is good enough to sustain the world, to hold it together, to keep things together on this earth, don't you think he can handle whatever's going on in your life? Now, here's what's interesting about that. Since this moment when Jesus is teaching, our understanding of creation has expanded exponentially. I mean, they could see the stars in the sky, but they had no real concept of what that was. We do. They see the numbers. They had no concept of how many stars are out there. We don't either, but we've guessed. Somebody said, listen to this, this is crazy. Somebody has said that there are three billion trillion stars. Now, I don't know about you, but when you start talking about billion, trillions of trillion, all that kind of stuff, those numbers just kind of start washing over me, right? But just to give you an idea of the difference between a million, a billion, and a trillion, so make you feel good about our national debt, by the way. Just to think of the difference between those, if you say, can you tell me what happened a million seconds ago? Well, immediately you may not thought, yes, I know exactly what happened a million seconds ago. But a million seconds ago, by the way, would have been somewhere around Wednesday of the week before last. So 11 days. So if you can think about what I did on Wednesday, then about a million seconds ago you can do that. If I said to you, can you tell me what happened a billion seconds ago? Now, some of you in this room wouldn't make it that far. But for those of us that would, you're talking about somewhere around January 2nd, 1989. 
what were you doing? I was starting eighth grade, Luke's age, right? And if I say, well, tell me something that happened a trillion years ago. You're looking at somewhere around 30,000 B.C. There's a big difference between a million and a billion and a trillion. And they say that there are three billion trillion stars, each one giving off a trillion times the amount of energy that an atom bomb has. And God's in control of all of that. And you're worried that he can't look at your bank account and help you out there. Right? One of my favorite chapters in the entire Bible is Job 38. Job chapter 38. Now, generally, Job is not one of my favorite books in the entire Bible because it's not a fun book to read, right? And in Job chapter 1, we know this Job's a blameless, righteous man. We don't know a lot about Job. We just know he's from Uz. And uh, the only thing I know about Uz is it's not Oz. That's all I know about that. All right, sounds like it. He's from us. We don't know a lot about him. And there's there are writers, scholars that think that's intentional, that Job is to stand for every man. We do know he was blameless and upright. Satan comes to God and says, that's because nothing bad's ever happened to him. Let me have a go at him. And God says, OK, but here are the limits. And Job has a go has a, Satan has a go at him. And Job still doesn't doesn't curse God. And then um, he says, well, that's because you didn't let me do this. And so he has another go at him. And then his friends come in when Job has lost absolutely everything. And the first 37 chapters of Job are Job arguing back and forth with friends who seem to be well-intentioned but give terrible advice. And they go back and forth for 37 chapters. And you get to the end of the 37th chapter and Job is basically like done. And he starts crying out to God and asking God, where are you? What are you doing? Why are you not here? And then in Job 38, God answers. And in his answer, he says, Job, I'm here. Where were you when I created the world? Where were you when I told the sea where to stop? Where were you when I? And then for a chapter and a half, God just asked him questions like that. Where were you when I did this? An impossible task in human terms. And in the midst of that, what he tells Job is, I'm in complete control here. I have an infinite perspective on life. My purpose will be taken care of. I will do what I say I will do. My promises to you are everlasting and my presence is pledged to be with you. So in the midst of whatever you're going through, you don't have to worry because our God is a big enough God to handle it. And when we worry, we think, too little of our God. Now, the second way you can think of that phrase, we think too little of our God, is not we think of him as smaller. It's just that our focus is in the wrong direction. And one of the things that I've noticed in my life is that generally I worry about the things that I'm invested in the most, that I care about the most. For example, I'm not worried about your kids' grades. And if you're worried about my kids' grades, you need to get something else to worry about. Right? I mean, sure, I want, sure, I want uh, Tori to make good grades in school. But I'm not like, hey, can, can, I, can I log on to her account so you can I watch? Like, if I called Ben and Patricia say, can I log on to Tori's account just to check her grades? They're going to think, um, personnel committee, we need to think about our pastor, all right? Right? Like, you worry about things that are invested in you. If you've got a big project at work, you've got something coming up, and you ask me to pray for you, I absolutely will. But I'm not going to lay awake at night thinking about your project. 
We worry about the things we're invested in. And what he basically says here when he says that we don't have to worry about food or clothing is that when we put our attention on those things, we get off track from the main thing. C.S. Lewis says in life, there is a first thing and then there are second things. The first thing is to love God and to obey him. He said the second things are our relationships, our marriages, our children, our family, our careers, our work, everything else in life. And he said the problem is, or the good part is, that when we focus supremely on the first things, he has promised to help take care of the rest of them. But when we focus on the other things, we not only lose the intimacy in our relationship with God, but the other things are not taken care of either. Jesus says, listen. If I take care of the birds and the flowers, if God takes care of those, he'll take care of you. He uses those two to kind of talk in two ways that we let worry kind of work in our lives. He says there are two ways that people generally handle finances or materials or money or things. One is the saver mentality that money is your security and so you make sure your bank account has plenty and you want to make sure you live by that plenty and you save and you get an extra thousand dollars savings. You get an extra thousand dollars savings. That's where it's going. That's what's happening. And then there are people that for them money is an opportunity to buy success or enjoyment or to find a way to live life to the fullest. Now, God's sense of humor, he often takes a saver and a spender and he marries them is what he does. But either way, he says, is a way that denies the trust in God. Now, I'm not saying that we shouldn't be practical and good and good stewards of what God has given us. But when we trust in our bank account more than God to protect us, that's become an idol. When we're trying to build our lives fulfillment on what we can buy and obtain through stuff, that's become an idol. And he uses both of these to say the birds don't go store stuff in a bank account. They depend on the Lord. And they're fine. The flowers don't go and buy the most elaborate things they can find. And yet God clothes them better than anything we can see. The point is, and he tells us this in chapter 6, verse 33, put first things first and second things second. And that in our money and parenting and marriage and education and careers, that if we will serve the Lord supremely and then in those spheres take the principles he teaches and uses them, God will take care of the rest. So the first thing we see in this passage is that when we worry, we think. So, for instance, it tells us in Luke 12, 32, don't be afraid, little flock, for your father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. It tells us that he has given us the kingdom mainly through the death and resurrection of his son, given us an opportunity to walk into that. And he says, if God has given you the keys to the kingdom, don't you think he'll take care of your daily Isaiah 49, 16 reminds us, can a mother forget the baby at her breast and have no compassion on the child she has born? Though she may forget, he says, even if a mother could forget, I will not forget you, God says to his people. And then there's this phrase. This is Isaiah 49, hundreds of years before Jesus would be crucified, before crucifixion had been invented. 
He says, this is how he'll remember us. See, I have engraved you on the palms of my hands. The point there is, when we read it in light of Jesus' crucifixion, is that God cares for us so much, he cares for you so much, that he sent his son to die for you. And if he did that, he will take care of the other things as well. Romans 8.32 says, He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Now, this isn't a health and wealth prosperity gospel that God's going to make you rich. What it means is, God, if you have a genuine need, you're in the walking with the Lord. He is taking care of the things that have gone on before you. He has died for your sins. He has forgiven you of your sins. He will provide ways for you to be taken care of. Philippians 4, 6 says, Be anxious for nothing. But in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. In verse 32 of our passage in Matthew chapter 6, he talks about the Gentiles. And the point that he makes there is that that's the, the, the concerns of the world, how to get by on a day-to-day basis, how to eat, how to, how to clothe yourself and to do all of that. Those concerns are reserved for the Gentiles who are not have a promise of a heavenly reward. They don't have a promise of a future hope. That for them, this is all that there is. That's all they think there is. And so, of course, they're going to think about getting the best they can here while they can here for what they can have here. But for those of us that are followers of Jesus Christ, we have a home that is secure, not of this world. We talked about that last week, right? This is not our home. And because of that, he says, why would you worry about the stuff that's happening here when your eternal destination is coming? Yesterday in the funeral, I read, uh, a quote that I'd forgotten for a while, but it comes from um, my C.S. Lewis quotients on Ha. This is my second quote of the day for him, all right? At the end of the Chronicles of Narnia series, the last bit of it, he says, and this ends the story for our characters. I'm paraphrasing here, but he says, and I guess you could say they lived happily ever after, but the truth is, this wasn't the end of their story. This was only the beginning. He said, the adventures that we have read about in Earth and Narnia were just the cover and introduction. And they have now begun to live the story that goes on forever, where every chapter is better than the one before. And he says to them, why would you care to spend all of your time concerned about the things of this world when that's not your home? And then here's the last thing that we have, and I'm going to give you a couple of practical suggestions, and we'll be done. The third thing that we see from this passage is this, is that worry is a false prophet. It doesn't deliver on what we actually think it will do. It tells us two places, verse in verse 27, when he says, And who of you, by worrying can add one moment to your lifespan. You know the opposite is true, right? That worrying, that being concerned all the time, that stressed out will actually take moments off of your lifespan. It definitely does not add to it. And there's no way that you can do that. 
And then verse 34, he says, don't worry about tomorrow because tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. One writer that I love said that what Jesus basically does is he tells you whatever is concerning you, whatever is worrying you right now, just call it tomorrow and put it off and let it worry about itself and focus today on what God has given you today. It says that if we don't do that, if they're worrying about stuff in the future, we're worrying about how this will work out. We're worrying about that, how that will work out. What we're doing is we're paying interest on a debt we don't owe. Or it's like we begin to play the ominous music for our life and then nothing ever happens. Like you ever watch a movie and everything's going along quite nicely? Couples having a picnic on the beach or something and then all of a sudden the ominous music starts to play. You're like, uh oh, something about to happen, right? Like, you know, wouldn't it be good to have that like in real life? Amen. Like, just so you would know something's about to happen, like, oh, better watch out now. Right. Our lives with worry is like a movie where they start playing the ominous music and nothing bad happens. As much as we dread what might happen with like, where's the payoff? Like nothing happened here. And you'd spend time concerned about something that wasn't coming. He also is reminding us that the God who is faithful today is already there tomorrow. And he'll take care of that when it comes up to. It's a quote from Charles Spurgeon that I love. I'm going to put it on the screen just because I think it is so, so good. Charles Spurgeon struggled with depression. He struggled with worry his whole life. And he said, anxiety does not empty tomorrow of its sorrows. It only empties today of its strength. Like it doesn't change anything about what's coming. You can't change what's happening with worry. But it empties today of the strength that we need to survive. To get through the worries of today. And that's Jesus' basic message here. It comes in 34 and 33 before it. Seek first the kingdom of God. Go after God. Go after first things. And when you do... Trust Him to help take care of all the stuff in your life and depend on Him for it. Put good stuff into your life as you deal with all of the bad. It's like the weeds in my yard, and there are a lot of them. I do not have a great yard. Nobody come look at my yard for how good it looks, all right? But a few years ago, we decided we're going to get all the weeds out. So we called one of those companies, True Green, Make your grass green, green up, whatever it is. Whatever particular one it was. And they came and sprayed our yard and killed all the weeds. And then I had dirt. Right? Amen. So I was like, I don't know, at least weeds look better than dirt. And so I, when I was there and I said, I thought you're supposed, you know, your name is True Green. Like, Make my, whatever it was, like, I think that may have been who it was. I don't know who it was. They were doing their job. They nothing bad there. They said, well, to make it better, you can't just spray for the weeds. You got to plant good seed. And if you want the weeds gone for good, you plant enough good seed that the grass grows and chokes out the weeds. There are a lot of us in our lives that think by, with our worries, we're spraying all the weeds down and they'll be done. The problem is it just leaves dirt and they come back anyways. Instead, we ought to be planting the good seed of seeking God and his kingdom first. And the more we do that, it crowds out the anxiousness and the worries of our lives. 
And here's the truth. Worrying or trusting the Lord is a daily decision. So I'm going to give you two things I'm going to recommend you do this week. See if it helps. If it does, then keep doing them. And the first one is this. And this sounds, it may sound strange, especially if you do it the first day or two. But declare every morning that you're going to trust God and not live in worry. When I say declare that every morning, I don't mean just like when the grogginess of sleep. Like, God, I'm not, I'm going to trust you today. I'm not going to, not going to worry. Like in between um, snooze. I mean, I want you to declare it out loud. Now, I don't think that there's extra power in words floating in the air, but I think that when we declare things out loud, we hear them, we, in, we engage them better. So declare out loud, today, Lord, I am going to trust you. I am not going to worry. And you can even read this passage out loud. And here's the second thing. When worry sneaks back into your mind, when you begin to worry about tomorrow, you take whatever it is. At the prayer time, I told you to think of one or two instances. And so whenever you begin to worry about instance one or instance two, and use that as tomorrow. Whenever you say, I'm going to, instead of worrying about this, find what God is doing in the world today and spend your energy doing that. When you are tempted to worry about tomorrow, get to work for God today. Control what you can control And focus your attention on God. And most of all, according to God's word, do not worry. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Let's pray together.